Welcome to tonight's episode of Mountain Talk. I'm your guest host, Willa Johnson. March is Women's History Month, and I wanted to create a Mountain Talk to honor a community of women who have not only shaped so much of my life, but so much of an entire town, the women of Hemphill, Kentucky. While I lived a few miles away in the community of McRoberts, so much of my childhood was spent in Hemphill. My mom, for the first several years of my life, taught 7th and 8th grade at the Hemphill School. My maternal grandparents lived in a small yellow and green home with a large garden that we helped raise every year, and much of my childhood was spent between school and that garden. In communities like ours, the economy was built around labor, and the jobs were typically for the men. The men here worked in mining, which meant long hours and late shifts, leaving so much of the child-rearing to the women. My cousins were mostly all girls, and it was my mom and her sisters who often took us on family vacations while our dad stayed home to work. It was the same cousins who I spent many summer nights playing red light, green light in my mamaw and papaw's front yard, or practiced cartwheels in my aunt's carport. Hemphill also has a strong religious community, and I saw that faith through women like my mamaw and others who walked together to church every Sunday, sometimes even when the weather was bad. These are the women who made my school feel like a home. And when lack of funding forced it to close its doors, they rallied around it to reopen it into the thriving community center it is today. In my early 30s, I have recently found myself living in Hemphill, raising my son. Maybe it's my newfound role of motherhood or the nostalgia I feel coming back there, but I feel a connection to this place and the women who influenced my childhood more than I ever have before. When I spoke with Susan Houston, a longtime family friend, we talked about what it was like to be a child in this community. Susan grew up with my mom, and while she feared she might be over-romanticizing her childhood home, I understood so much truth to what she was remembering. Um, I currently live in Martin, um, uh, but I grew up, um, thankfully, in, in Hemphill, Um and um, lived there my entire life until I went to um, Alice Lloyd in um, 77 and um, then on to UK and then came back um, and lived in Hemphill for a little while and then moved to Neon, not far from Hemphill, but um, and then um, a few years ago um, relocated to Martin. Can you explain what it was like to grow up in Hemphill? Ooh, you know, I've thought I might get a little emotional. Um, growing up in Hemphill was like the best Appalachian novel possible, if that makes any sense. Um, it, it was, um, it was, looking back, it was hard. Growing up, I didn't think that. I, I never really thought um, that we had, uh, that we were poor. I just didn't. Um, and, um, but it was such a loving sense of community. And, and I often share with my friends that growing up, I thought everybody from the church on up. I don't know why that, but Mabel, Mabel Johnson was certainly included in that, though she lived a little below the church. But from there, um, 
the head of Grassy to the head of Pottertown. Everybody was my cousin. I really believed that as a little girl, just because there was such a sense of family and people helping each other. Um, you know, there wasn't home health then, but um, it was not at all uncommon for uh, women in the holler to um, be the people who got together and bathed the elderly women who weren't able to do that anymore um, and to fix um, suppers, which always consisted of soup beans and fried potatoes and cornbread. Um, but it was just such a sweet, sweet sense of of home and community. And I love the evenings. I can remember uh, your mom um, and your your grandma Opal and uh, your aunts and Noah would always um, walk out of the holler to church. Um, and I always thought that was such a sweet sweet thing but there was always that stop and and visit and a lot of that happened on the sidewalk um or sitting on the front porch um it was just it was just lovely willa it was just it was so so sweet so sweet that i found myself when i had my own son grieving um a bit because he times had changed so much that he would not be able to experience the sweetness of that particular kind of of life. It was just wonderful. Um, Daddy was a coal miner, and uh, uh, we always had ample food um, because he would garden, and we had hogs, but not... Um, we didn't have cows or anything like that. Chickens, unfortunately, because I have this fear. Um, but um, so we ate very, very well. Um, oh, mommy made chocolate gravy. Um, that was a real treat. And with her biscuits, which um, my siblings and I always talk about mommy's hands and um in, in the flour, making that tunnel and pouring the warm oil, and her biscuits would literally just be um, like a flotation device or something. They were so light and airy, but that was a real treat for us. And that was usually um, sometimes on Saturday we'd get that until my niece, who um, lived in Ohio, would come. Um, to spend the summers with us. Mommy fixed her chocolate gravy every day. She she loved it. She she loved it. Um, but that was delicious. That was delicious. It's uh, mommy always swore it's you have it, it, it it's your hands, um, and she it was almost like watching an artist or a sculptor. <laughs> really the way she would she would do it and the pan she always used you know this huge huge pan um those little fingers as they got as she got older you know they um were wrinkled and bent but those those beautiful little fingers would just grab that oil um, not the oil rather but the flour and pull it into the oil mixture and and then padded out. It was just really beautiful to to watch. 
um, I can remember when I was younger, um, your mom and uh, my mama and Gladys and Mabel would all still walk to church. Yes. They carried yes. that on forever. It was, yeah, and I, I loved when they would do that. But sometimes after church on Sunday and sometimes on Wednesday night because we were always there, um, that was the social point, so to speak. And But I would get to walk home with, with your mom and, and um, family. And there wasn't a sense of fear or... Um, any class distinction, so to speak, it it was just wonderful um, to be able to do that. And even as a teenager, um, you know, I loved the holler, but I loved walking down to Mabel's. Um, me and um, Ricky Wayne Fleming, um, my, my cousin, and uh, <coughs> Mabel's nephew, um, and Oftentimes, Gwen would already be there, too, and we'd walk back out of the holler and Mabel barefoot, barefoot in the summer, and Mabel would have a pan of water on the back porch for us to soak our hot, tired feet in, and we would just sit on the porch and watch the traffic, and we'd do that for an hour or so and laugh and talk, and then we would walk back up the holler and um, never, never... Uh, uh, sense of fear that anything bad would happen. Um, I mean, it was hempial. And then in the evenings, the evenings, especially in the summer and the fall, were, were so um, sweet. Um, I can close my eyes and, and feel the, the, the balmy breeze. Um, and, and um, again, n- neighbors, the Flemings, um, Sandy and Vicky's. Um, dad and uncle, they were great guitar players, and Herb Bentley, um, and of course Sonny would be on the front porch um, just picking around, and they would stop and prop their feet up on the, from the sidewalk to the front porch, and Sonny would hand them the guitar, and they would all pick, and um, I mean, it was it was almost like Mayberry, again, not to be... <laughs> Not to be too um, uh, romantic about it, but um, that's one of my really, really sweet, sweet memories. And there was just such love and care for each other. It's I, I totally understand. It's hard not to romanticize it in a lot of ways, because when I, you know, when I grew up, my papa still had the coal uh, or the wood stove mm-hmm. in the kitchen. And he still farmed, and he still had all these different things that feel like I kind of grew up in a different era when I look back to how I spent my mm-hmm. time with him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. But it, when I went to Mabel's, I interviewed Mabel and Gwen the other day, and when I went to their house, as soon as I got to the door, all I could think of was how Mabel's house smelled like my papal's house. Mm. And I was like, it's so interesting that it smells almost the exact same. The only thing that was missing was tobacco. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. My grandmother, Cynthia, uh, my mom's mom, she she chewed red ox. But her sister, Thelma, Thelmy, we called her, um, who was Mabel's mother-in-law, she smoked a pipe, as did Caldonia, the other sister. And when I would go and Caldonia's house or Thelmy's house, there was this great smell of, of pipe t- 
tobacco, um, no matter if there was a fire in the stove or it was springtime or summertime, that smell was always the same. And it was a comforting um, kind of smell. If if you were to explain, you sort of hit on this a little bit earlier, but if you were to explain the role of women in your childhood, um, in your community, how would you explain that? Quietly strong. Um they were so uh, very strong, um, but uh, would take on certainly the societal expectation of um, that the man was the head of the house and what he said went. Um, but it was kind of like behind the scenes they... <laughs> They were the the quiet force that held everything together. When you look in these old black and white photographs um, where the women look extremely tired and and weak, I love those pictures because it's such a telltale sign of the life that they they lived and endured um, and did that so often without complaint. When thinking of the women who have played a role in my love for Hemphill, I immediately wanted to talk to two of the women who have been pillars in this community, Mabel Johnson and her daughter Gwen. Mabel for years served as the school's librarian, and her daughter often came to school to sing old ballads during Heritage Week. Mabel has been instrumental in opening the community center. She is a longtime member of a church and her home for years has been a staple in hosting weekend breakfasts for the large pool of people she knows and loves. Gwen has carried on a lot of her mom's traditions, helping recently to obtain a grant to open a bakery and build a new brick oven in the community center. These two have long been forces in my life, and if you were to ask anyone in Hemphill, you will most likely hear their praises before you even ask about the two. Um, my name is Gwen Johnson, and I've lived here uh, all but two weeks of, of my life. And then moving off, being married a little bit, but just still staying right around the same community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What brought you here, Mabel? Uh, we lived in Pride County, and you want to know that. Mm-hmm. And uh, our daddy worked up here in the mountains, and he had traveled a mountain. He rode the horse over here to work every day. And uh, so they decided to come this way closer to his work. What was it like when you first moved here? We thought we was in New York when we came over here from Longford. <laughs> it was, uh, well, I'm almost like it is today. No much difference. I would say that the mountains was running and the, the cold miners walked the street. They didn't have cars to ride. I can hear them walking the street now with their dinner rackets and their boots. They'd be lined up walking. Where was the mines at when it was open here? Right up there, above where you live. Okay. Um, Actually, right across from where she lives now. Yeah. So wasn't it right there? That was a coal tip. 
there, okay. But the Conans, we call it the boarding house money. You know where the bridge is, you can see part of it that you see the mats went across the road. And uh, her daddy ran a motor, he was a motorman, and uh, he had to help this big thing up on the line, and you could see far front from as he went back and forth, all the cut. When you were little growing up here, what did, what was your idea of Hemphill? How did you see it? Um, the train ran right up by the back uh, yard and, um, you know, hauled coal um, down out of here. And um, there was a conductor on the train. I think he was a brochures man. Um, I can't remember his first name, but um, he um, was real kind to little kids. And he would throw lifesavers <laughs> from the train. They'd watch um, for it. Yeah, they we'd watch it. for him. So, um, I've kind of had a lifelong love of trains, mm. most especially coal trains. How long do you think, when did the train quit running through here? I was young. Yeah, not since we had had grandchildren. No. Yeah, I, I was been, young. Uh, yeah. I would say, um, Mom, do you think it was still, um, Running when Robert Kennedy came, it wouldn't have been, would no. it? And that was 50 years ago. It's before we That's interesting you said that because my mom always tells me stories about when Robert Kennedy came. Mm -hmm. Did you all get to see him when he came through here? Yes. Mm -hmm. He was at our house. Oh, was he? Yeah. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. How long was he here for? Uh, we had a little grocery store. Mm -hmm. And uh, James was disabled, had to quit the mines, and couldn't get started growing none of his money. And uh, Gad and Cardi Perkins was with uh, Kennedy. And when they brought him in here, they told him James's story. And uh, it was no time till we started getting help. I was in grade school, grade school. and they lined us up uh, at the fence. Yes. Mm -hmm. And um, he came, his motorcade came and parked in front of the fence. Tell her what he said. He gave um, 15 rocks for him feels good. Yeah. <laughs> he asked what our mascot was, and we told him it was a hornet. Yeah. yeah. And so he gave 15 rocks for the hornets. <laughs> yes. <laughs> My mom always tells the story that when he came to the high school, because she was in high school, that they lined him up down the hallway, and he mm -hmm. went through and shook their hand. Mm -hmm. And so when he got out of sight, she skipped over to the other side so she could shake his hand twice. <laughs> 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 he bought his lunch out of every little grocery store, vine and crackers. <laughs> I do have a picture of Dad and him and in my the office. gym. Yeah, it was at the Flemingdale Gym. Yeah, because by then they had left from here. But there is a picture of him in the kitchen with a big old, co I mean, in the living room with a big old coal heater in the middle of the room, which was how we heated. Yeah. Right. Um, and there's a picture of him and daddy standing on each side of that but I don't have that picture I'm hoping no. to get that picture mm -hmm. how many how many um, brothers and sisters did you have there was 12 of us wow so nine number wow. talk to her about when y'all came across the mountain mom 
And you came down through the camp? Well, we went down through the camp. They didn't have a car, a horse. Well, we had a horse, but the horse was pulling us there with stuff in to get our furniture. What little we had over there. And I said, I know people thought we was a baby and you be Dogs barking, cows moving. <laughs> So you moved the whole family and the farm animals yes. here. Yes, yeah. yeah. And uh, we can't, uh, before we go get to the cow and her mom and milk, right up there where your ass on the house already on the corner, that's where we lived. We had a barn right there. You, um, whenever I got to know you, you worked in the school, you were the mm -hmm. librarian. How long did you work there? 17 years. Um, can you describe the school a little bit? And, well, I worked in the library, and they helped the teachers. That's what happened. The library had to take her daddy's off to go other places, and I filled in. Was you in school? Mm -hmm. Yep, you were my librarian. Yeah. You were my librarian, and Gwen came and sang songs to us. Yes. <laughs> and he had to go. The principal would have to run Hannah out of there every time. It was time to go outside and fight. And he'd say, if it's my grandma, I would want to do that too. But you got to go fight. My mom worked at the school with you for years, and that's mm -hmm. one thing I always thought was interesting was that school experience was completely different than any other school she ever worked at. Yeah. Like, it was the most family-oriented school. It was. It was. Just like family. And we had the fall festival. That, <coughs> excuse me. The best time ever was. Yeah, I can remember those fall festivals, yeah. too. Everybody had those games set up in their rooms. Yeah. yeah. Fish and all of that. I made apple pies or gave it my chili. It was a good time. We had music. Um, when, whenever you graduated high school, did you leave Hemphill for a while? Um, I stayed right here in the community until about 91. Then I moved about four miles away. And then um, I just gradually made my way right back. I know that feeling. <laughs> you know, one time she said, Mommy, if anything happens to you and Daddy, I'm on the old home place, she said. <laughs> and who knows she ended up there. Oh, I didn't even remember saying that. <laughs> no, I do. But I do love Hemphill. Mm. I love it. Uh, Me too. I love the memories that's attached to it. I love the people that are here, yes. and we've got our share of problems, yes. but it's a good, good community. It's a family thing. When there's a dead, everybody's feet mm -hmm. here. Um, you all have been a big part of getting the community center open back up in the yes. school after it closed yes. down. Mm -hmm. What was that experience like? Well, uh, we would go and meet with the when the school system would meet on their appointed time, me, Teresa Fox, and I think 
It's just me and Tracy. We be there every time, and we tell the, the magistrates and all them, don't forget us. If anything comes up, you vote for us. And they would say, we live, and they did. And they finally let us have it. We met on the steps of the grade school. Then couldn't go in the field. We met there facing the creek. And when we finally got in, it was so messed up, nasty, rotten potatoes in the floor, everything. Where my college students had come and used it. But we felt like we was rich when we got, finally got it. What have you all done with it since? What are some things you do in it now? Well, we're doing all kinds of stuff. We're really proud of it. One old woman that lived here and she's known me, it was Ellie Wright. She said, one thing I can tell the people, we've got a community center. <laughs> When you started uh, a bakery at the community center, can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, um, the Litcher County Drug Court um, and the SNAP program uh, began to send us community uh, service workers who needed to do a number of hours. And we've been, um, we've always cooked at Hempfield Community Center, but until a couple years ago, we didn't call it catering. So um, then we started thinking about trying to specialize in something. And so um, we brainstormed some things, kind of a wish list. And then some funders who were visiting Apple Shop come and visited us um, to talk to us about our participation in the Letcher County Culture Hub. And they asked about a wish list and I I said, yeah, we have a wish list. And so I told them that a brick oven was at the top of our wish list because we think that we can take that brick oven and sustain our efforts and maybe employ some people out of the community, um, maybe in a more steady way than we've been able to with the catering. And um, so um, the funder was open to the idea and Apple Shop was open to the idea, and then the Culture Hub was open to the idea when they received a grant from that funder through Apple Shop. And so that collaboration that we've had with the Letcher County Culture Hub and Apple Shop has been invaluable to our efforts. And now um, we've got the uh, brick oven almost built. It's uh, all kinds of progress has been made this week on it. Um, the archway on the inside, there was a picture sent to me earlier today, and it wasn't there not before last, uh, but it's taken shape, mm -hmm. and uh, it's a dream. Mm -hmm. It's going to be so pretty. Mm -hmm. They're doing it neat. That's awesome. It's going to smell good, too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It will. You all have been so active in the community center down there. Like, so many community centers, like, seem to spring up overnight in the county mm -hmm. a few years ago. But you all have been so active and consistent. Like, you all have your Friday night dancing and mm -hmm. music. And you have, is it Tuesdays that you do senior citizen lunches? 
Yeah. Um, your breakfast with Santa every mm-hmm. year is a huge ordeal. Like it's big deal for us to come to. Mm-hmm. So it's been amazing what you all can do to over and over that you all can keep it up. Great. This week the Easter bunny. Oh, we've never done breakfast with the Easter uh, bunny. Yeah, it's coming up. I want to do yeah. that. <laughs> You'll hit that. Yep. Um, it's funny because every time I come, we eat your chocolate gravy. Yeah. Which I remember being little and coming to this table to eat That's your chocolate right. gravy. Still. <laughs> 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 um, that was a big deal when we were little because my mom, my mom could make it, but she would never make it. Yeah. And then she'd come in every now and then and say, "Get up, Mabel called. She made chocolate gravy." <laughs> it still gets made here on Saturday morning. Yeah, if you want to come in, and you don't need your mom. I'll have to bring the little one down. Let yeah. him. I think he'd like it a lot. Oh, he'd probably love it. <laughs> what is something? Uh, what's something you would tell somebody about this this community, Glenn? I think I would tell them about the labor history, because the whole town was built around jobs, mm-hmm. and then there's been the bottoms fell out of the coal industry where the jobs always were. And we're trying to rebuild back through things like tourism and uh, Black Sheep Bakery, kind of like uh, social enterprises, that sort of thing. And so the want to work is still here. We've just got to find a way to put the people back to work. And I think the labor history and the, the history of the UMWA and all of that is such a rich, rich history um, that, um, you know, we're, we're just probably always going to be a working culture, but we we got to find an, a new way. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the legacy of women in this community? Um, I think, you know, thinking about the churches, who's organizing the church dinners and the church activities, who's organizing the community center? Who's raising the families? Like, what do you think the legacy of women is in this community? It's good people. Gets their heads together and gets it done. Mm-hmm. I've got some meetings I want to. Yeah. Uh, when I go there, I wish I could talk. When I go there, the pastor, I walk the streets of me looking for a job. And Ms. Crack, I always told me, Come to me, I'll give you a job. She did 65 cents an hour. But I thought I was rich. I bought my mom and daddy clothes, my brother, they were still in school. Well, when they put the Whitesburg Hospital in, Gad lived across from us up there. He hollered for me to come over. He wanted me to tell him, asking the son. He said, would you like to have a job at the hospital? I said, oh, Lord, <laughs> I'd be tickled today. He got me a job. And I worked there until it's time for Glenn to be born. Oh, wow. I didn't know you worked with Gabby. Yes. And the stories. Yeah. That we took care of all the furniture. I had to label it. I, I loved it. I watched it go at it. Whenever you were talking about neon, what were some things in neon when you were younger that aren't there now? uh, There was a restaurant called Taker's Restaurant, and we could eat there with a screw money. And that's money they had a hole in. 
you had to spill, spin at the store at the Coke companies. But at a Tucker's restaurant, let us see, if we had 25 cents, we could get a hot dog and a pop. <laughs> and that's what we did. So the we had that, there was a, a record store called Victor of RCA, I think. And a feed store, a pool room, uh, place you uh, buy drinks, alcohol. Mm. Uh, two movie theaters. Sure. I can't imagine that now. I know. <laughs> there was a roller rink, too, wasn't there, Mom? Yeah, there and then it was uh, just below Goose Creek. They're in the Fort Charles Hobart Caddy's gas station. You could go there and see mm. But a swimming pool, always place you can swim in the creek. <laughs> and you could swim in the creek. Yes, then. yes, <laughs> yes, you yeah. could. Yeah. Um, how how do you think uh, how do you think your grandkids and great grandkids see it now versus how you saw it growing up? They didn't like for me to tell them tales about. Uh, they know it's different, you know. But it's something I say. We wish we lived back then. During the Mountain Heritage Festival, teachers would get in touch with me and have me come sing folk songs to the children. And so uh, I would go in and tell a few tales and um, sing a few songs and just generally have a good time with the kids. Can I put you on the spot and ask you to sing a song? Sure. <laughs> you want a guitar with that? Sure. Okay. It's just one that I would teach. It's kind of a little memory song. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I ever taught it to you all. I first came to this land. I was not a wealthy man. So I got myself a farm. And I did what I could. And I called my farm muscle in the arm. And the land was sweet and good. And I did what I could. When I first came to this land. I was not a wealthy man, so I got myself a wife, and I did what I could, and I called my wife, run for your life, and I called my farm, muscle in the arm, and the land was sweet and good, and I did what I could. When I first came to this land, I was not a wealthy man, so I got myself a daughter.
It could go on forever. (laughs) As I said before, we often talk about this being a place built for the labor industry. Often when people pay tribute to miners, they talk about their calloused and coal-stained hands. But through these interviews, I came to appreciate the significance of a woman's hands in this community too. Susan earlier talked about her mother's hands as she made biscuits, describing her as an artist, a sculptor. Jenna Meyer's grandmother, Yuri Stewart, worked as a cook in the school cafeteria and raised a large family. Jenna spoke about her grandmother's hands in the kitchen, too, reflecting on her practiced skills as being a magician. Um, I live currently live in Cleveland, Tennessee, but I was born and raised in Letcher County. Uh, my grandmother was Yuri Wright, um, or Yuri Stewart, from from Hempel. Um did you spend a lot of time in Hempill when you were younger living here? Oh, my goodness. Probably every weekend we were at Mama Yuri's having dinner, um, and there was always tons of family there and people from the neighborhood. I mean, she fed everybody. I remember when I was younger, I remember there was an old wooden bridge that we would have to cross um, to get actually get into her driveway, and... Um, when you would start to walk towards the house, it was this huge house. It used to be an old school. It was a big two-story house um, with concrete steps, and there was a little stone pathway that walked to the steps, and um, you would go up the steps, and in, in, in when you would get to the porch, that's where most everybody spent their time was either the porch or the kitchen. There was this huge porch with two swings and a um, like a little, I guess it was like a, it wasn't really like a rocking chair. It was like a double seater, maybe a glider rocker um, that we would all play in and get in trouble because we would bang the house with it. Um, and then, you know, when you would walk in her front door, it was the living room, and then, then you would get to the kitchen, and that's where she spent the majority of her time was in the kitchen. Um, describe Yuri to us. Tell us what Tell us what your mama was like. Oh, my gosh. I don't even know where to start. She, for such a little tiny woman, she was bigger than life. (laughs) Um, She was probably the most loving, kind, um, precious woman I'll ever know in my life. And um, she had the biggest heart, and she she would feed anybody and take care. She felt like she had to take care of everybody, Um, neighbors, friends, family. Um, I remember... Not a couple years before she passed, she started cooking at the community center when they, um, I think it was a senior center at that time, and the seniors would come. And she was like 88, 89 years old, and um, she would be getting ready to go somewhere. And and I I remember asking her that day, where are you going, Mama? And she said, well, I'm going to go down to the senior center to cook for all the little old people. And she was 88 years old herself, but she didn't see that way. And I think the reason that she didn't is because she stayed so active. Um, And then another thing is that woman had more faith um, than I probably ever will have in my life. I remember 
been in the Knights Fair when we would come home to visit after we moved here. And I remember staying in the back bedroom, and you could hear her praying. And, I mean, it, it would go on for an hour or two, and she would mention almost all the grandkids by name, all of her kids by name, family members, and she was just calling out to God for them and for healing and whatever they were dealing with that she knew of. She she was just an amazing, amazing woman. She um she had a large family. How many aunts and uncles do you have? Um, my mom actually, this is crazy, but my mom um, is the only girl out of their seven boys. Um, but my mama also had another daughter, Beatrice, who passed when she was little. I think she had polio, is what they said. Then not only that, after after her kids and my mom, she was the youngest after my mom moved out. Well, actually, I think it was before she moved out. Mama started taking in foster kids. And I know we sat down when she passed and tried to name off all the foster kids. And once we got to about 60 or 70 foster kids, we just stopped because we weren't ever going to be able to figure out who all it was because we were trying to let, you know, as many as we could know that she had passed so that they could come pay their respects if they wanted to. I know a lot of them still saw her out and about. Some of them still came and seen her. I remember hearing talk about a few that would come and visit her, um, even the foster kids. So she she had um, eight or nine biological kids, but hundreds more. Can you tell us a little bit, uh, you know, uh, Yuri was known for her cooking, and mm-hmm. she worked in the in the kitchen. Can you tell mm-hmm. us uh, maybe what some of your favorite meals were that she cooked? Oh, my gosh. Probably her breakfast. It was always the best. She would make biscuits. She had this huge bowl and had all this flour in it. And me, I can't even make make a biscuit to this day, and that's horrible because I'm her namesake, and I can't even make a biscuit. I mean, if it's not in a can, it's not happening. But she had this huge bowl of flour, and she would just dump the milk, and whatever else, the cream, whatever else she was going to fix the biscuits with. And she would just start mixing it in this huge bowl of flour. Um, and once she would get enough flour, none of the other flour was touched. And I always thought that was the coolest thing. Even And my girls, when they were little, when we would go visit, that was the biggest thing was get, to get to watch Mama make biscuits. They said she was magical because <laughs> the rest of the flour would get used. But she had these amazing biscuits in her her gravy and, of course, her legendary chocolate syrup, which we have all the grandkids try to make, but none of us have been able to to duplicate it. Um, and it's not chocolate gravy. She would make sure that everybody knew it was not chocolate gravy. It didn't have flour in it. It pretty much was just like chocolate candy that just wasn't completely um, candied yet. <laughs> it was just the syrup. She would make it into syrup, and we would put it on our biscuits. Um I'm sure our parents love the fact that we went home so sugared up on Saturday morning sometimes, but it was just a mammal thing. She didn't care. (laughs) It's so funny because everyone I talk to whenever I'm working on this piece talks about chocolate gravy or chocolate and biscuits. (laughs) Like I just didn't realize like how, like how big of a deal that was in Hempel, but it still is. You know, if you go for breakfast with Santa or breakfast with the Easter bunny, um, at the community center now, they still give you chocolate and biscuits. Um, I, I, you know, one thing I didn't know, I wasn't sure. I know you're musical. I know your mom is musical. Was Yuri musical? I, I don't think she was. Um, 
I mean, I, I would hear her saying she would flat foot. I don't know if that counts. Okay. She, she loved to dance. She called it flat foot, and it was pretty much clogging, but she called it flat foot. And then um, if we would be at her house, you know, a lot, sometimes the family would come up and um, we would have somebody up there that would have a guitar and we would sit around and sing and stuff. But Mama would always dance. I always remember she would flat foot. <laughs> what do you think the role of women has been in a community like Hemp Hill or in the communities uh, in Letcher County when you were growing up? The role of women mostly were, I, rem- I remember most everybody, their mom was at home. Their mom was at home. They took care of the house. They cooked. They cleaned. Um, unless unless you were a teacher, most of the time that, that's where everybody was. Um, or they worked in the cafeteria like my mom did, you know. Um, I just remember thinking it was so awesome that there were so many stay-at-home moms. And then even looking back now, I think it's amazing that we as women can work. But also I feel like sometimes we, we're missing some of the joys that comes with being a stay-at-home mom. You know, after I had my kids, I wanted to do that. I wanted to be able to be there when they got home from school. Um, so I, th- I think that that role as a stay-at-home mom is a lot of strength. It's a job that doesn't get enough recognition. Um, I know my mom worked her tail off at home for us uh, when we were little, and I know Mama did when, you know, there's no doubt grow- having that many kids that she wasn't constantly busy. Mm-hmm. What what do you miss the most about home? Family. I do. I miss my family. Um, I grew up, or we grew up, you and I both grew up with a lot of family and a lot of cousins, and we were all very, very close. And unfortunately, my kids don't have that here. Um, my brother is here, and, and he has three kids, and they're really close to them. But I guess I'm talking about big family, lots of family. And no matter what happened or who was frustrated with who, if something happened, everybody rallied around whoever was going through, whatever they were going through. Um, And I miss that. I miss that closeness. I miss that. When they say it takes a village, it truly takes a village. They say it takes a village, and I believe that's true. I'm thankful that Hemphill and the women in my life have been a part of my village. Women in every society and culture have played roles that are invaluable and too often unrecognized. My community has suffered through the years, from a declining economy to a growing rate of addiction, but it has been the women who have stepped up time and time again to mend our homes. Women organize the fundraisers, cook the church dinners, and lift each other up when hardships weigh too heavy on one another. And they often still try to make life as fun and vibrant as the family quilts often displayed in their homes. This March, no matter where your home community is, take a minute to reflect on the women around you and find some small way to say thank you.
Thank you for tuning in to Mountain Talk here on WMMT 88.7.